welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. This week, I'm joined by author and aerospace engineer, Makuka Chapanta. He was born in a mining town in the Copper Belt province of Zambia. He has studied engineering in the United Kingdom, becoming an aerospace engineer, and he now resides in the United States. Not only has he written award-winning books, but he also has a podcast himself called Kutika. He has had the opportunity to work on magnificent the Airbus A380, as well as the Boeing 787 Dreamliner. So I am excited to have him join me and talk about his journey and experiences, but also his books and the podcast today and how some of those things may influence our views on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Please join me in welcoming Makuka Chapanta. All right. So I am so excited, as I say every week, to have Makuka Chupanta with me today. And he is, you have heard his background, such an interesting and dynamic background. And so one of the things that I really wanted to start with you is just kind of give us a flavor for the journey that you have had you know, coming to the United States, what, you know, how, where did you grow up? How did it inform your career and where you are now as a writer? Thank you very much, Melissa. Um, happy to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. This is an exciting time and I'm privileged to be here. So my journey, my life's journey begins several decades ago, um, back in my home country of birth. And that's in Zambia, South Central Africa. And I uh, had a pretty happy upbringing. I grew up in a, I was born and raised in a mining town in Zambia called Kitwe, a pretty decently sized city. And I spent um, most of my formative years there until I graduated from high school and I attained a scholarship to go and study for my university degree in the United Kingdom. And so that was my first excursion, if you will, outside of my comfort zone, outside of my home. So um, just to go back a little bit, I, I, I grew up with three other siblings, my mother and my father, and a big extended family. It was, you know, pretty decent and, and, and ordinary uh, <laughs> upbringing, happy. And in those days, when I was growing up in, in my mining town, we had a big mining conglomerate that was dominant in that city and in the country in general. And we had lots of amenities in the city, uh, things that we could do. And I saw those things growing up. And then I also lived at a time when I was leaving the country, I started to see changes in the country. 
changes in terms of how the economy was progressing and and how changes were happening in the mining industry. And so that kind of planted a seed in my mind that would later evolve into what I'll talk about later, which is, is my writing. When I left Zambia, I was about 19 years old, just before 20. And I um, went to the UK to study my, to get my mechanical engineering degree. And I, I spent some years in Manchester, England, and um, right before I graduated with my mechanical engineering degree, I interviewed with several companies that came into our university looking for young graduates to take on to their rotating management programs. And I was one of the people that they liked. And I was fortunate to, to get that opportunity to, to, to get a job as soon as I graduated. So then I started in that rotation uh, program and that led me to different companies within their umbrella, uh, subsidiary companies. I, I worked in the electrical power industry. Later, they, after several years of their rotation program, they offered me a permanent position. And I worked for them for a couple of years until their, another opportunity came knocking. And this would be the opportunity that would lead me into the aerospace industry. And so that was at a time when uh, Boeing was looking to design what they were calling the 7E7 aircraft, which later came to 787, a Dreamliner. And I was a young engineer at the time, and I, I got recruited by a, a subcontractor to Boeing. And so I got introduced into the aerospace industry. I worked in that organization for several years and then moved on to, to bigger, better things. But I, I grew in, in strength and, and progressed in, in the aerospace industry. And then I'm trying to summarize. <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> and I'm trying now to, you, you've like shifted again. <laughs> yes. And so at a certain point, after spending all of nine to 10 years in the UK, I then decided to make that big transition to come over to the U.S. And um, I'll preface that by saying I have a sister in the U.S. who was already living in the U.S. And I, I really wanted to be closer to, to, to some family members uh, and also continue in, in the aerospace industry. And so I made that transition and I've been here since working in various capacities in the aerospace industry. So let me just go back and ask you before we get to kind of some of the stuff that you're doing now, because I can't imagine. So, I mean, as you as you kind of outlined, you were like, hey, I'm going to the UK to do my mechanical engineering degree, which I'm assuming you must have made up in your mind that you wanted to go and pursue mechanical engineering and you didn't want to do it there in Zambia. You wanted to go somewhere. Did Were you recruited for that or how did you decide you wanted to go into the UK? Yeah, very good. Very good question. So the, the large mining conglomerate that I talked about back in Zambia had a set of scholarships that they would offer every year for the top performing students in the country. Um, so it was uh, about 30, 30 of us, 35 of us every year. And so you had to, one, have a good, excellent grades at, 
at, at your um, high school graduation. And then secondly, you had to do an entrance exam, go through some medicals and those types of things. And then you got through that program, then they would sponsor you to, to go and study at your university of choice in, in the United Kingdom or the United States. So that, that it was it was a very great opportunity, something that one one wouldn't let go by or pass up. Yeah, I just figured I'd emphasize some of that because we have so many companies that are looking for creative ideas on how to recruit and tap into different markets. And this is an interesting one. So that clearly was done decades ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> And that you benefited from, and now you're you're doing so many different things. Second of all, I have to tell you that the Dreamliner is one of my favorite planes ever. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> as I have traveled uh, internationally, it is definitely one of the most comfortable. So yes. uh, I encourage everyone to experience it. <laughs> So now you're doing, you have gone from a very technical position in terms of aerospace engineering, where I imagine there wasn't a lot of people of color, maybe, at Boeing. I don't know. Um, Can you talk about what that experience was like? Yeah, good question. So when I started, now it's coming up to 20 years, a little around 20 years ago when I started in the aerospace industry, I was certainly, it, it was not uncommon for me, uh, even in my rotation program prior to getting into aerospace, it was not uncommon for me in the UK to, to be at a site, a, a manufacturing facility, and I would be the only person of, of, of color, especially in some of the more remote areas. I have to admit, I had really good experiences. I was very fortunate to have met really good people that took me under their wing, taught me things. But it's always challenging when you don't see, you're always the other. You don't see people like you in certain positions of authority. And, and it's, 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 it's difficult to, to become what you can't see. So fortunately, I've seen a real progression over the years. If I speak today, I'm um, I'm a chief engineer in in Raytheon, and we have a robust diversity and inclusion program. Okay. And the company is very deliberate in trying to have a diversity of of ideas, a, a, a diversity of people in the organization. I think we are benefiting hugely from that, and I can see a lot of strides have been made certainly from the time I joined, from when I joined to, to now. We still have a lot, a long way to go, but I, I have to say it, it is, we are leaps and bounds ahead of where we were. Well, that's great news for sure. And kudos <laughs> to them for, you know, creating programs that will nurture and promote and retain employees as we go. So that's awesome to hear. So now if we talk about this new direction that you've pivoted to where you've decided that author should be attached to your name. And not only do you write books, but you write fictional books. Yes. 
So do you want to talk a little bit about some of your writing and, and how you got into it? Because I find it, you know, you go from a very technical expertise <laughs> and then yes. and now you're doing something that is like totally different side of the brain, right? Right, right. And I, I get that question quite often. Yes, it is unusual for highly technical person or somebody involved in a highly technical field to gravitate towards doing something of the arts. And um, maybe I, it shouldn't be so different. <laughs> maybe it shouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> so, 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 so in my mind, and I think I've spoken to this several times, I feel that, you know, the two, there are a lot of parallels between, for example, designing an aircraft and writing a compelling fictional tale. And, and the comparisons in my mind are when you're designing an aircraft, right? You draw on a diversity of experiences. You have a team with you. It's not a, a solitary pursuit. You learn things. Essentially, you experience a lot of things and then you weave them all together and, and hopefully you, you create something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. I feel like story writing is essentially very similar at its core because you have to experience life, live life, first of all, gather those experiences, meet different people, put all of those things together and, and stitch all of those into a coherent thread and, and hopefully create a, a compelling story, which is, again, greater than the sum of its parts. So I, I feel there's a, a parallel there. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because, I mean, if you think about there's, I mean, everything is connected, right? So yeah. as I continue to say, diversity and inclusion is one of those things that is in everything. So yeah. if you look at diversity and inclusion, it's everywhere. It's in everything, in everything we do and how we approach things. I wish, hopefully, we'll get to the point where Everybody has such an open mind that they can see clearly and collaborate clearly and design better and innovate better. But you now have, you have a podcast called yes. Kutika. Right, right. And people can listen to your stories on the podcast. Right. What I've tried to do, um, so maybe if I start a little bit, just back up a little bit to the beginning of my writing journey. So it started about seven to eight years ago when I, I became a, a published author. So I, I, I put pen to paper on a manuscript, which basically put together a lot of experiences that I had growing up in Zambia, in the mining town in Zambia. And I wanted to, to, to have the voice of the people in that community, in those communities, heard. It's, it's something that, that I hadn't seen in other places or hadn't read. I, I, re I read avidly, but I hadn't seen that story. And I thought, well, who, who better to tell that story than myself? I've lived in, in, in that environment and, and I've seen those changes. And so went on, that manuscript went on to be picked by um, a, a publishing house, Small Press, and that later became the novel A Casualty of Power. And, and I was fortunate that it, it, it resonated and, and it won several prizes. And essentially the story is about a culture clash that occurred in Zambia when you had uh, Chinese migrants 
coming into Zambia and uh, taking over certain um, mining concerns and how the indigenous people reacted to that. But it's, it's, it's more of uh, the beauty of the story is more uh, is because it has the lens of various players. So it's got the lens of the young people and how they see the future and how they see all of the things that are happening. It's got the, the, the lens of, of the freedom fight, fighters of old and, and, you know, their narrative of, of, of what they see. It's got the, a political angle as well. And, and, and so it's a pretty wide ranging story, if, if you will, and, and gives you a good flavor, a good picture of what is happening, not only in Zambia, but across Africa. And, and I think that's why that book resonated as, as well as it did. Sounds kind of similar to what's happening today about all the, <laughs> all the connections that you're talking about in terms yes. of the lenses that people use yeah. and, you know, the different perspectives to create the voice. Yes, yes. So it's, I mean, I can see why a, a, an award-winning book, because it doesn't sound fictional. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It sounds very much like a reality. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> Steeped in reality, yes. So, um, so are there things we could learn from what you have written there? I think, yes. I think the book doesn't, isn't prescriptive. It, it isn't telling you this is what you should learn about it and this is what you should understand. It asks more questions than it gives answers. However, I think what we can learn from the novel is how we all should have empathy for each other, I, I believe. So, you know, we all approach the world with a certain lens from a certain perspective and it's always important to understand that. And so in all our interactions, try to think about what it is like to be in somebody else's shoes is I think a big takeaway you could draw. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, I mean, if we only had more empathy in the world, right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I love the asking questions too, because I spent a lot of time just talking about being curious and a lot of times we're not curious. I feel that we're not curious enough about ourselves. And there are so many things that we continue to learn about ourselves through our journey. But a lot of times we don't go back and say, why is it that I'm thinking that way? Or right. why do I believe this certain thing? And right. in right. some cases, you don't realize you've learned a particular way or through a particular lens, right? That yes. Yes. you might not have even known. Very so true. it's, it's interesting. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. So now you, you've written Casualty of Power and you have other books as well. Yes, I have a second novel that I published in, that I got published with another, with a small press in November of 2019. So, and that book again is set in Zambia, um, in, in that environment. I took the clock back in that, in that novel, in that story. I, I took it back, the, the clock back to 1979. 
And so it's this one is kind of a, a thriller type of book, really fast paced. And it's essentially the story is about a, a white couple, a settler couple on a farming estate in outside of the, the capital city of Zambia. And one night they get brutally killed in an attack on their farm on their farm. So that's where the book starts. And then the pursuit of the, the perpetrators of that crime begins. But then as, as you walk through life in that time, the frustrations of, of being you know, a civil servant in that time and, 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 and things of that nature, as, as the story goes, you know, the different threads start being, coming to light in there. And uh, things are not quite as they seem as you get to the end of the book and so there's there's a little bit of a of, of a twist and, and a surprise and, and and so that book is, has been doing well as well so I've, I've got i've received a lot of good feedback on it and the story is five nights before the summit and the summit is a commonwealth heads of government summit that was that actually took place in zambia in that year and so there's a lot of pressure for the Zambian police and the Zambian government to solve that case or and get those perpetrators apprehended. Uh, there's a lot of outside pressure from the British government being the former colonial masters. And so there's, there's, there's that tension between, again, the cultures happening. So Interesting. Well, and again, steeped in some <laughs> reality, right? So these yes. are the best stories. <laughs> Interesting. So what do you have on the agenda next then from your writing career? Good question. I continue to write. So I, I write a lot of short stories that have made their way into different publications, some some online publications, some actual uh, physical publications. So I have all of these stories in, in, in various forms and various states. And I came up with this idea a couple years ago now in 2019, I think it was. And I, I came up with this idea to find a home for some of the stories that I, I hadn't published. I thought of um, a vehicle to get them out there and to have, to one, introduce people to my writing. And secondly, to also uh, entice folks to read African literature. That's a, a big passion of mine. And I really want people to read more and read for the love of reading. So I thought that by introducing a podcast, uh, so an audio story, people can get to love just that flavor, that cadence of storytelling, African storytelling, and then, hey, look up my books or, or look up other authors from, from Zambia and elsewhere. Well, and I think it's really interesting because the way that you're doing it is that you know, it's in like these bite-sized pieces where people can get a little portion and then go away and come back and see it yes. and get another little portion. So you have this kind of suspense thing going throughout, which is kind yes. of how you actually read a book. Because most right. people, most people don't read the full book in the one sitting. Right, right, <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. So, so that podcast is called Kutika spelled K-U-T-I-K-A with a um, 
exclamation uh, point. Ex- exclamation point. The word means listen in, in Bamba, which is a Bantu language. So Kutika, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, received uh, good reviews on that. Uh, like uh, like you mentioned, it's in bite size. It's bite sized, so you can uh, listen to it while you're making your dinner or driving to work or or jogging or whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So now I know that you know this this podcast is typically I talk a lot about diversity and inclusion, and I love the fact that you have kind of the voice of Zambia coming out through your writing, which, you know, you carry around with you every day because you are from Zambia. Are there things that you think, you know, our country, our world could be doing that they perhaps aren't doing? And I know that's a pretty broad question, (laughs) but, uh, but, you know, the voice, you know, as you're the voice of Zambia for me today, (laughs) um, Are there things you think we could be doing that we we should or could it? You know, I, I, I that's a good broad question. I'd say that Zambia. Uh, first of all, I'd encourage anybody, everybody, to go and visit Zambia. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, warm place, and and the one thing that you will notice, and what almost everybody that I've met who's visited Zambia says is how warm the people are, how accommodating they are, how how they'll look after you, even if they, they've just met you for the first time. So it's that warmth, that acknowledgement, that human-to-human connection, uh, that acknowledgement that you are a human and I am because you are, right? And uh, it, it's that warmth that I, I think we need more of in the world. And, and I think that really does speak to, you know, the topic of diversity, because if we recognize each other as humans, make that human to human connection, have that empathy, have that warmth, you know, we won't discriminate based on, you know, whatever that, that is, race, gender, orientation, all of those things. So I think that's that's one thing, you know, we could be doing better. Uh, for sure. I love that connection. And yeah. I'm I'm definitely going to put Zambia on my list of places to go. Absolutely. Go I and love, see I love warm football. places. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something about there. Yes, you've got the uh, Victoria Falls is something that you have to see. One of the seven wonders of the world. Lots of it's it's got like a little micro rainforest around it. So a lot of animals in that area. The, the falls are beautiful. A lot of beautiful hotels and, and you can fly in directly there as well. You know, you can bungee jump if you want to. Yeah, yeah I won't. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you pass from that. <laughs> but you know, you're you're speaking my language right now because I'm. You know, this whole COVID thing when you haven't been able to travel in a year, and it's like, yeah, yeah. I love it. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lots of lots of lots of history. Um, you can learn about you know the freedom struggle. Lots of um, nice museums you can visit and tell you about that. And uh, there are lots of game parks in different parts of the country. You can also go see visit some of the um, 
mining industries and and some of the uh, open pit mines and things like that. Very you know very interesting to see and and so uh, lots of good food. You you definitely enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. All right, I definitely got it on my list. So, and then just to re-emphasize, I love the fact that you called your podcast Putika, which is listen. Yes. Because I think so many, so often we don't listen. (laughs) And so, although you're telling a story, which, you know, I mean, the way we connect most of the time is through story when we're talking to each other. So I, I love the fact that you're kind of emphasizing the focus on listening versus just listen, you know, hearing or, you know, speaking, but really, you know, to, to, in order to create that empathy that you were talking about earlier. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, I, I thought about that, uh, what to call the podcast, you know, it, that word just seemed to fit it perfectly. And, and yes, if only we could, could listen more. Well, and it's so funny because, you know, this podcast called the Jolly Podcast after yes. Jalike, yes. the storyteller. So we were meant to connect, I think. At some <laughs> Absolutely. Point. Listen to the story. That is the focus of, of <laughs> <Yes>. today. <laughs> anyway, are there, I love the fact, I mean, this has been a great conversation and I know I am standing between you and a wonderful day off with your <laughs> wife and daughter. So we're going to cut it and make sure that people have the opportunity to go listen to you and your podcast on Kutika or buy your books. And if you want to say the names of those books again. Sure. Uh, The first title I I talked about where we've got the mining industry and the the clashes in, in Zambia. That one is called A Casualty of Power. That's the first book. And then the second book, which is the the, the thriller I, I spoke about, is Five Nights Before the Summit. And then, of course, you've got my my podcast, Kutika, spelled K-U-K-I-T-K-A, and uh, with a, an exclamation point. And then you can also look me up. You can just Google my name, Mukuka Chipanta, and uh, my website as well, which is mukukachipanta.com. You make it easy for people right. to find you. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I always I always respond on, on email. You can you can reach me on uh, through my website uh, and on social media as well. So I, I get lots of um, correspondence and, and I, I respond to everybody. Awesome. Well, you have been an awesome guest and I'm so glad to have met you and enjoy your story. It was so unique to me that I was like, I I really want to just explore your mind. It's one of those beautiful minds. Thank Um, you. Yeah. So thank you for, for joining me and, you know, best of luck and wishes to you in both in your aerospace career, as well as your writing career. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And again, uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be on, on your show. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.